1972, the year before Roe v. Wade gave women the constitutional right to abortion health care, Chicago police raided an apartment where a group called the Jane Collective provided services to women. At the time, abortion was a criminal offense in Illinois. Several women were arrested and two of them had index cards in their purses with the names and addresses of patients. On the way to the station in the back of the police van, these two women destroyed the cards, tearing them into teeny tiny pieces and even eating some of them. The arrested healthcare providers feared what the police might do with the information if they got their hands on it. 50 years later, we're back here. Abortion, once again, is illegal in several states, although your personal health info is no longer written on index cards. It's stored on digital trails, and many of us have paltry understandings of how our data is stored and shared. Unlike these index cards, your info can't simply be torn up or eaten to protect you, and it'll be far harder to hide if you ever need to make the difficult decision to end a pregnancy. In fact, the Republicans and state governments are working so hard in those states to have your digital data about your period and your pregnancies available to them. And you'd be in total denial if you think this is for good intention reasons. One very recent method is period tracker apps. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't outright delete them now, just move forward with caution. I'm Sarah. I track my period and my health with a paper and pen. This is Reclaiming and Girls to the Fucking Front. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Reclaiming, the weekly podcast where we take everything back that was taken from us by the patriarchy one by one. I'm Sarah. My pronouns are she, her. And you know what? Even though this news week has been pretty bleak, I'm really happy to have you here with me again this time. I think this is a really important topic and it's really uh, timely right now. And I'm, you know, really, if you're going to share any podcast episode with your friends, anyone that has a uterus, please, please, please share this one. It's so important. But before we get to the topic, I just wanted to make sure that you're signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter. This is a newsletter that hits your inbox every Monday. Same with this podcast. It's a weekly newsletter with feminist updates, links, videos, news, memes, rants, celebrations, and so much more. So don't miss out. You can sign up on the website at reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaim, E-F-F-I-N-G, everything.com. Also, please, if you can, if you have a few seconds, I know you're listening to this on a pod catcher or some kind of pod streaming service. Please head to the place where you can give it a five-star rating and review. I would be so indebted. It really helps with the algorithm. And I've mentioned before, there are a ton of other podcasts named Reclaiming. Um, it would really help if you rated and reviewed this so we can bump it all the way up in the algorithm. Thank you so much. I love you. Now, I wanted to give a disclaimer for this episode that I am not a healthcare provider. I'm not a legal person. I'm not a legislator. So please do your own research and spend some time thinking about these concepts and make your own decisions about these apps. What I'm about to say is simply my own opinion, which I drew from lots and lots and lots of research. And the other thing I wanted to say is this may sound, and I'm going to use this word um, with a, you know, hint of sarcasm, hysterical. This might sound like craziness. You know, this might sound like, oh my God, what are you smoking, girl? And 
I know it sounds like that, but please just bear with me. This is really happening in real time. And I really think this is an important topic. So right now we're going to be talking about period tracking apps. So if you are not someone who has ever used a period tracker app or you don't have a uterus or whatever, you might just not know what these are. These are apps that allow users to record the dates of their menstrual cycles and get predictions about when they're ovulating and when they are most fertile. These apps can also serve as digital diaries for sexual activity, birth control methods, and conception attempts. There are lots of reasons to use these apps, like to help you get pregnant or to avoid getting pregnant, or even just to know when your next period is coming. The data that you put into these apps, my love, is among the most intimate types of information that a person can share. The apps can show when your period starts, when it stops, and when a pregnancy starts, and when it stops. The data could be used then, theoretically, to suggest that someone has had or is considering an abortion. The apps were huge before the Dobbs decision overturned Roe last summer. I even used them. I had two. I had one that tracked my ovulation and one that synced me up to the moon cycle. I really loved that last one. I'm so sad to give it up, but I wasn't alone. Around the time SCOTUS overturned Roe v. Wade last year, millions of people were using these apps. There was one called Flow and it was bills itself as the most popular period and cycle tracking. That one had 43 million users. Another one called Clue had 12 million monthly active users. And this was around the time that Roe v. Wade was overturned last last year, last summer. In the past, these period tracking apps were believed to increase knowledge and help people with uteruses manage PMS symptoms and fertility tracking. Healthcare professionals and patients themselves found these apps empowering. And I did too, not to knock that. Knowing your body and anything that helps you know your body better is power. I truly believe that. Don't get me wrong. And that's one more reason why this is so frustrating. So why are we concerned about these period tracker apps? Let's start here. Remember that abortion is healthcare for so many people with uteruses. Anything can fucking happen. Anything. Right now, especially with the rolling back of women's rights and safety for LGBTQ folks, literally anything can happen. And I don't say this to scare you, my love. I just want to establish that we can't go into these situations blind. We need to be smart and we need to be vigilant. If you don't live in a blue state and something happens to you where you wind up pregnant, you could need an abortion because, as I said, abortion is healthcare. After the Supreme Court gave states the right to ban abortion last summer, some of the leaders who purport to value self-governance and privacy, a.k.a. a lot of the Republicans, began a totalitarian obsession with women's bodies and physicians who treat them. Republican politicians are putting out wild ideas to ban travel to states that allow abortion. In Texas, they're actually paying bounties to folks who snitch on patients and providers. This is not new. But last week, and I'll get into this in a bit, but last week, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, remember that name, vetoed a bill that would have made it illegal for the police to get their hands on info from period tracker apps. I'm going to reiterate that. So basically what Governor Youngkin did was allow cops to get their hands on info from period tracker apps. This should tell you all you need to know about why it's critical right now to stop using them or at least know what could happen if you do choose to use them. Since many states have banned abortions, many residents there are worried that their information will be handed over if they're ever 
never needs to be cases built around them for trying to receive help from reproductive services. If you're being prosecuted in these red states for seeking an abortion, then law enforcement can subpoena and pull your data from these apps and use it as evidence to prove criminal loss of pregnancy. Let's start with a hypothetical, okay? Let's say that for years, you have regular periods every 28 days. Then one month, you miss your period or you simply forget to put your menstrual data into it. Or you just don't enter anything for the following months for whatever reason, only to resume your period tracking a few months later. This information can be subpoenaed, my love. Then who is to say you didn't have an abortion or a miscarriage? That is literally what the Virginia governor just allowed to happen. I know that some people might brush this off as a worst case scenario at best and even just conspiratorial thought at worst. But my loves, it is currently legal to do this. The Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution protects against government searches and seizures, but not surveillance by a private party. A company that gathers location information and sells it voluntarily to law enforcement isn't stopped by the Fourth Amendment. Some states, including Colorado, have started to enact data privacy laws that can impede, although they don't usually completely stop that kind of behavior. For example, by allowing individuals to opt out of the sale of their personal data. But like I said, most of us have a very terrible understanding of privacy and data protection when it comes to our activity online. And I think this is going to come back and bite us all in the future, especially if we go down, continue down this very scary authoritarian path. Now, let's rewind a little bit before Roe was overturned last year by the Dobbs decision. There were already concerns with these apps before. A few years ago, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, reached settlement with Flow amid allegations that it misled users about the disclosure of their personal data. A 2019 Wall Street Journal investigation found that the app informed Facebook when a user was having their period or if they informed the app when they intended to get pregnant. I mean, I'm sure this is, you know, just for all advertisements purposes, right? But under the settlement, the FTC said Flow must undergo an independent review of its privacy policy and obtain user permissions before sharing personal health information. Flo, of course, didn't admit any wrongdoing as part of the settlement. So there were already questions before. Now let's jump back to the present day after Dobbs overturned Roe v. Wade and made abortion illegal in many states. Flo announced an anonymous mode option. But some privacy experts are skeptical now about how much a feature like Flo's anonymous mode is, can actually separate you from your personal health data. Both Clue and Stardust made public comments about data protection after the Supreme Court's decision. A spokeswoman for Clue said the company, which is based in, I think it's Berlin, but it's in Europe either way, would not comply with requests for users' health information from U.S. law enforcement. You might be thinking now, does this even happen where apps or digital companies with personal info handed over to law enforcement during criminal investigations? Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. It happens. It's not uncommon for apps to cooperate with law enforcement during criminal investigations. Usually this is around like child exploitative imagery in particular. But now that abortion is criminalized in many states, experts do say that period tracking data could become the target for investigators. These realities make the app's privacy policies really important. But when it comes to privacy, these policies can be vague. And like I said so many times, we don't really like look into it. Apps aren't the only way your reproductive health data can be used against you in the future or to connect you to an abortion. 
Evan Greer, who is the director of the Digital Rights Advocacy Group Fight for the Future, says if someone is sitting in the waiting room of a clinic that offers abortion services and is playing a game on their phone, the app might be collecting location data and investigators later could potentially use this data if a state passes laws forbidding women to travel to areas where abortion is legal. And guess what, babes? This tracking data passes hands all the time. Information about people's movements collected via apps on your phones is regularly sold by data brokers. There is a journalist at Vice, and I linked it in the show notes, that was able to buy information from a data broker about phones that had been carried to Planned Parenthood over the course of a week for just $160. After Vice's report, the data broker said it planned to stop selling this data about the visits, but it's still very, very troublesome. And here's another note about location sharing. In the past, anti-abortion activists have geofenced Planned Parenthood clinics. So what that means is creating a digital border around them and then targeting the phones that enter the area with ads. And these ads would direct people to a website that was meant to dissuade women from ending their pregnancies. Search histories could also be identifying for law enforcement. Activist groups, regardless who they're advocating for, might try to purchase a data set that could show where people have been searching for info related to abortion. Google has said that it will automatically delete location history records that show a per- whether a person has visited an abortion clinic or fertility center. And in a blog post, Google did say the move is intended to help users protect their privacy when they visit locations that could shed light on their personal medical situation or healthcare decisions. So tech companies have broadly said they would comply with government data requests so long as they're consistent with existing laws. So with the rollback of federal abortion protections combined with the past of new legislation restricting abortion in so many states, it can make it difficult for platforms to fight certain data demands related to abortion investigations. Then, of course, there are things like texts and emails that we need to consider. These have already been used to criminalize people, like the text you send your friend that says, fuck, I think I'm pregnant, or the search history for medication abortion or visiting websites that have info about abortion. It's worth revisiting the cases where this kind of stuff actually happened. Pervi Patel was one of the most famous cases. This is an Indiana woman that was sentenced to 20 years in prison in 2015 after prosecutors used her web visit to the National Abortion Federation. They had a website page called Abortion After 12 Weeks, and they charged her with feticide. I think that's how you pronounce that word. Luckily, her case was later overturned, but there were more federal protections back then. This was before Roe was overturned. And guess who was her governor at the time? Mike Pence. Another example of data used to criminalize folks is that of Nebraska mother and her 18-year-old daughter who were charged in 2021 after police obtained Facebook messages between the two. And authorities allege that the messages show evidence of a medication abortion as well as plan to hide their means. They both pleaded not guilty. One more case is that of Latisse Fisher, a Mississippi woman who was charged with second-degree murder after a stillbirth at her home in 2017. According to a local report, investigators downloaded the contents of her phone including her internet search history of how to get medication abortion online. After attention, luckily, the case against Ms. Fisher was dropped. There were 61 cases between 2000 and 2020 of American women being investigated or arrested for their own self-managed abortions, according to an expert. And all of these sources I've linked in the show notes. Basically, I just spent the last couple of minutes trying to inf- like highlight how period trackers really aren't the only way. And experts are really careful to sound the alarm bells because it's been other less sophisticated forms of data and technology like texts and Google searches that were used as evidence in some of these cases. But the Virginia Vita last week, like I said, should raise 
every person's alarm bells, in my opinion, about apps, because it's very openly telling us that the Republican Party wants cops to be able to gain access to our reproductive information. This is some true Handmaid's Tale shit, as I'm starting to say all the time now. (laughs) So really, what can be done about this? Well, on a policy level, the federal government really can and should strengthen digital health safeguards. HIPAA, which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, and a couple others were meant to provide comprehensive protection for personal health data. However, these are really outdated and really don't take into account quickly evolving healthcare system where digital health apps play a huge role. These policies must also expand to cover more health entities, including period tracking apps, and explicitly prioritize and enforce the privacy of individuals instead of allowing companies to rely on a user consent model. In January of this year, a bill was introduced in Washington state by Democrats that would prevent private health data that is collected by apps, particularly period apps, from being shared without the consumer's consent. This proposed law is called the My Health, My Data Act, and it would allow users to delete their data and would prohibit the use of geofencing technology around facilities that provide services. And then similar legislation was signed into law last year in California by Governor Newsom. If you know me, you know I'm a pretty big supporter of Newsom. So California's law actually bars companies based in the state from giving up this data, search histories, and other personal information in response to out-of-state search warrants, unless those warrants are accompanied by a statement that says the evidence isn't connected to an abortion investigation. So it specifically says that in California, which is where a lot of tech is based, it will not share data. And if it has to, it will only share for the people that are looking for data that promise it's not being used to collect evidence against a person for an alleged abortion. I love California. And this is, you know, it's expensive as fuck to live here, but I feel like at least I'm treated like a human instead of a walking womb. So what can we do now about our period information and, you know, et cetera? Like, how do we like, what the fuck do we do now? Well, first, know exactly what you're using and putting out there. Before you sign up for an app, read the privacy policies carefully and you can use nonprofit resources such as Electronic Frontier Foundation. I uh, linked that in the show notes to help inform yourself. Consider creating anonymous emails when you sign up for apps. If possible, choose an app that stores all your data on your phone, which is a much higher level of privacy. But if you don't want an app at all, like me, you can do what I'm doing. Stick to the old fashioned way with the paper and a pen. I track mine in my moon planner. A calendar is a great way of tracking your period and it has been used for decades. It was used before apps. It I'm sure will be used after. It's vital to learn about your menstruation cycle ahead of time, though, and log the info that you would keep from your app. If you have a regular period, you'll be able to consistently track it the same way your app would without any complications. However, if you're irregular, you'll need to keep track of your period days for at least six months before using the calendar uh, as a form of birth control. It's a bit of a pain, but you can also use the basal body temperature method to keep track of your period. This method requires that you check your temperature first thing in the morning before you engage in any activity, such as even like using the bathroom or using your phone. When you enter your ovulation stage, your temperature will increase slightly. However, you'll be fertile for a few days before your temperature rises. I would do this with your calendar method. There are also these things called cycle beads. I've never used them. I didn't even know about them until I did this research, but um, I don't, I just want to put it out there because it seems like it's a pretty easy method. Basically, these are like rosary 
type beads that are different colors to indicate the different phases of your cycle. According to the company Cycle Beads that puts them out, and this is not sponsored, you will start on the first red bead the first day of your period and each day move a ring or a bead clockwise as the month continues until you start over. White beads indicate your ovulation stage, which you'll likely have uh, where you'll decide to have protected or unprotected sex. Blue beads represent the days you're highly unlikely to get pregnant. And, you know, I've never tried this. So take that with a grain of salt. I if you've tried it, shout me out. Let me know if it works. I am actually very curious. So, um, yeah, that's one more. It's called cycle beads. Okay, so so those are things you can do instead of an app. But what about abortion services? How do you safely go about looking up if you live in a state that outlaws and doesn't want you to Google it? You can use a search engine like DuckDuckGo. Again, I haven't used it, but that doesn't store your search history. Or you can make sure when you're home, you're using a VPN, which is a virtual private network whenever you're browsing the Internet. This will prevent your info from being gathered by some of these big tech intermediaries and potentially sold down the road. There is a new development I think you should be aware of. Um, So if you have a like a smartwatch, like an Apple watch or a Samsung Galaxy watch. Those have like really good temperature sensors. Um, and like I said, the basal body temperature method is um, when your, you know, your body temperature goes up around the time of your ovulation when you're the most fertile. So I would just be aware of those. Um, do some research into those. If you use those, uh, make sure your privacy settings are like cranked all the way up. Um, but yeah, just something to watch for. In closing, my love, I know this has been really heavy. Okay. I know this has been a really heavy issue. I know it sounds a little alarmist, but I think this is such fucking critical information. And I think right now is a really good chance for us to just all reevaluate where we're coming from. Like what's going on? Where, what apps are we using? What data are we putting into these apps? What really, really intimate sensitive data are we storing? And I'm not, you know, saying like, let's go back to paper and pen and, you know, all the old like old archaic methods of everything. That is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying we need to be really conscious and be really, really aware of, you know, what's happening, what what's happening with data, what's happening in our government. It's just like I said last week, the personal is political, my love. I think the main issue here is that beyond the slip and slide into anti-women authoritarianism is that we just don't think about the fact that every website we go to, every app we use collects more and more information about us. This is new territory for us, my loves. The Virginia Vita a few weeks ago was a huge eye-opener for me and I hope it was for you too. It hasn't even been a full year since Roe was overturned and we aren't entirely sure how this is going to go. And I think the bigger question might just be how zealous law enforcement will be in these states with abortion bans. I think a lot of us who are advising against the use of period trackers hope for the best possible situation, which is at this point, let's be honest, kind of unlikely. But we're preparing for and fearing the worst, a dragnet style search for anyone who is pregnant and then ceased to be. It's hard to say, my loves, what will happen, but the possibilities are pretty perilous. What we can do right now is focus focus on the things that have been used in the past against women seeking abortion services, such as Google searches, website visits, emails, texts, all those things I outlined in those study, those case studies from before. But for your own safety, I think it's pretty important that we get off these apps. And now, especially if you live in a state that has banned abortion, I know if I lived in a state that has banned abortion services, I wouldn't be on these apps. Okay, that was heavy. 
let me consider this a moment where I'm giving you a big, gigantic hug over the airwaves. <laughs> and that's it for this week, my love. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, please make sure you're signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter at ReclaimEffingEverything.com. That's ReclaimEffingEverything.com. Follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at ReclaimEffingEverything. Please head to Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Give this podcast a five-star rating and review. And once again, you are your best advocate and your best protector. Be vigilant about where your data goes and who has it. Never stop voicing your opinions about these subjects and sharing these messages. Share this podcast episode with someone you know uses a period tracker app or someone you know that might be trying to conceive or someone you know that depends on these for birth control. And my love, it may feel hopeless right now, like there's nothing we can do, but these are the things that we can do. Stopping our use of period tracker apps in mass, we can do that. Talking about it in mass, we can do that too. We are in this together, my love. Please feel free to contact me if you have any thoughts or questions or comments or answers. I am happy to make any, you know, adjustments or updates or whatever to this topic. Let's keep this conversation going. I love you so much. And remember, you are your best advocate and your best protector. Until next week, my love, I love you so much and girl fucking power. Yeah.